Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 28 of Poker All the Games, where we will discuss Pot Limit Super Stud. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the northeast coast of the United States, along with co-host Martin, who joins me from Malta. Martin and I, while we enjoy mixed poker games, and we've each written a book on mixed games, we also enjoy different beers. So we'll be starting off today's episode as we do each one with me reviewing a beer from the United States and Martin reviewing one from Europe. So sit back, grab a beer as long as you're not driving, and enjoy our beer review and subsequent discussion of mixed poker games. So I, today I'm picking a more national branded beer. I know I pick, I'm picking a lot of local beers, and if you're not from sort of the, the Pennsylvania, New Jersey, East uh, northeast coast of the U.S. be hard to get a hold of. So today I'm pouring a Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA. And for those that have listened to uh, the episodes in 2022, you'll know what this is. I'm pouring it into a Spiegelo IPA glass. Let's have a smell. Oh, that's nice. Getting some Notes of pine from all the different hops and a nice balance of toastiness uh, from the malt. Let's have a look. This beer pours kind of a deep amber color and perfectly clear um, with a beautiful amount of beer foam. And now for the best part, let's have a taste. Oh, wow. Getting a mouthful of that big, bold IPA flavors of pine and earth. A little bit of citrus, maybe some grapefruit, and there's that nice uh, bold malt backbone in the form of like a, a caramel taste, which balances out the uh, hop bitterness. I also get kind of a powdery, almost a resin mouthfeel, just because there's so many hops in this one. With There's medium body and a nice crisp carbonation. This is Sierra Nevada Torpedo IPA. It drinks pretty easy for a higher ABV uh, coming in at 7.2%, more in line with uh, what we're familiar with as a double IPA. So while I sit back and continue to enjoy this one, Martin, uh, what do you have uh, from Europe for us? Okay. I've recently been to England for my daughter's wedding. And while I was there, I picked up a bottle of Longhorn IPA from... The uh, Purity Brewery, which is a brewery based on a farm in a village called Alster, just south of Birmingham. Now, uh, as I say, it's an IPA. Um, let's have a, I'm pouring it out now. I'll have a smell. Yeah, this is. This is quite a, it's a tip that got that typical IPA smell to it. Um, and I think this has got a citrus fruit 
citrus fruit side to it. It's got a lovely um, sort of uh, reddish amber colour, and the combination is very, very active with uh, with bubbles there. Now let's have a taste. Well, a good head on it, but good, good foam on the good level of foam on the top. Oh, that's good. yeah. It's a very fruity flavour. Again, it's, it's it's very typical IPA flavour. Slightly bitter. Um, you know, you mentioned grapefruit. I think I think I'm picking up the same thing in this beer as well. Some grapefruit in this. It's a, this is ABV content of five percent, so not as strong as the one you're drinking, Sean. But yeah, good good taste. I noticed when I was in England, a lot of the bars. Um, that I went into the IPAs were everywhere. It, it, it's, I used to live in England ten years ago, and it, it, you could get IPA, but it wasn't so easily available. But it's everywhere now. It's a very popular drink, I guess. Now, I'm, I can, yes, I can yeah, see why. And, <laughs> yeah, and interestingly, we we both have IPAs today. Mine being a little yeah. stronger because we're in America. You know, I'm in America here, so uh, we we always do things bigger, right? Bigger and bolder. <laughs> it's, <laughs> The American way, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, so you're going to be the coherent sure. one. What's that? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. I don't know if you've yeah, noticed, you... but so far since I joined you on this podcast, every episode has featured a beer from a different country in Europe. I'm not sure whether I'll be able to keep that up in the next one, but I'll, I'll look out and see if I can find somewhere from a different nation, uh, a different brewery in a different nation for the next podcast. But uh, that'd be perfect. Yeah. yeah. I, I love hearing about new beers and uh, it just makes me want to start traveling a, a little more <laughs> for, for sure. Mm. Okay. All right, well, thanks. Salute. Salute. Remember that our focus here is not Hold'em poker, specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games or those looking to try different variations of poker whether you're a dealer, a player, or a card room manager. Our goal is to define the rules, the play, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. So easy strategy tips for when you're drinking a 7.2% IPA, you can remember them, hopefully. <laughs> so today's episode will be covering Pot Limit Super Stud. Martin, why don't you walk us through this game of Pot Limit Super Stud? Okay. Um, now, first of all, I'll mention that almost exactly a year ago now, I, I don't know what episode it was of the podcast, but you covered Super Stud 8 as it's played in America, a fixed limit game and with five cards dealt to the player, the fifth card being dealt open, and the player then discards two of the remaining four cards to continue in the hand. Here in Europe, we play Super Stud Pot Limit, but it's been popular for quite some time. I first played this game more than 20 years ago in a dealer's choice game in England. And I guess probably for about 12 years, I didn't play after I um, after that dealer's choice game sort of wound up or I stopped playing in that game. And But then when I came to introduce mixed games in Malta, uh, in 2016, I introduced it here, and it, and it is quite popular. And I've noticed as I travel around, it, it gets called by people in, uh, in in other countries in Europe as well. Now, 
How is it different from the way you play in America? Well, first of all, it is played pot limit. Now, the the, the, the hand starts with uh, the two players the dealer to the left of the dealer button, both play, posting blind bets. The dealer then gives five cards to each player, every one of them face down. That's followed by a round of betting. And when all the players in the hand have either folded or matched the biggest bet, each player then discards two cards and the players each decide for themselves which of the three remaining cards are turned over. He then continues as a seven-card stud high-low game. So although it's, it's called super stud, Traditionally, nobody calls it Super Sud 8 or Super Sud High Low. I haven't seen it spread as anything other than High Low. So it's a Super Stud High Low game. So having had that first round of betting, discarded two cards and turned, and each player's turned one card over, the dealer then burns a card and gives all the players that are still in the hand, starting from the left of the dealer button, an extra up card. That's That's Fourth Street. There's a round of betting now, which starts with the person with the highest hand showing. They are allowed to check or bet. And as I say, it's pot limit, so they can bet anything from the size of the big blind up to the size of the pot. There's a full round of betting then. Once that's completed, the dealer burns another card and turns another card face up to each player. This is Fifth Street. And there's another round of betting, and it's the same structure. The person with the highest hand showing will lead the betting and they can check or bet. And once that round of betting is completed, the dealer burns another card and gives the players left a sixth street card face up, followed by another round of betting, which is led by the person with the highest hand showing. At the conclusion of that round of betting, the dealer burns a card and gives everybody remaining in the hand, another card face down. So it looks like some cards stood high-low, but the difference is this is pot limit. Five rounds of pot limit betting can get quite expensive. Um, sorry, the seventh street bet betting round again starts with the person with the highest hand showing. And at showdown, the pot is split between the best high poker hand and the best eight or better low poker hand. So to qualify for a low hand, the person needs five cards, eight or lower, unpaired, and the best possible low hand would be five, four, three, two, ace. Um, I think I've explained the rules and the, the, the play. Any questions, Sean, before I go into any strategy? No, so... No, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, we, an episode, that was episode seven, where I discussed Super Study. Um, now it's, uh, I'm just <laughs> I'm taken aback by the pot limit part of it. Just, I know how yeah. big, you know, PLO can get. And now in a stud with, with an extra round of betting, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting yeah. nervous over here. <laughs> but uh, no, go no, ahead. I'm, if you want, if you have some yeah, strategy for us, uh, go ahead. It can get pretty, pretty uh... Uh, sick with the with the level of the bets, and uh, I'll I'll talk about a hand shortly. But yeah, strategy wise, um, I think you need to. Well, okay, I'll start off as usual with my "Don't be the mug" section. Don't be the mug. 
who starts off with a good three card low hand, let's say an ace and two wheel cards, let's say ace three, four, throws away the two correct cards and then turns over an ace because you like to be in position when you play poker. And if you turn over an ace, it's likely, not guaranteed, but it's likely that you're going to be leading the betting. You're going to be out of position for the rest of the hand, potentially. It's crazy how often you see this. Somebody who you believe to be a decent poker player, certainly an experienced poker player, doesn't realise that the they're committing themselves to playing the rest of the hand out of position by turning over an ace and keeping the three and the four hidden. So that that was the don't don't be the mug thing. Now the the next thing is really. Um, it's a game where it's so easy to overplay and you're looking to be the person who is free rolling, not the person who has a pretty looking hand that doesn't um, have much chance of scooping. Now, I'm now going to describe a hand that I played recently in Tallinn and I'm happy with how I played the hand, but I think a lot of people that have played this game a lot will think that I was too tight when I folded the hand. So we're playing two two pot limit, and I'm under no, no, I'm not under the gun. I'm the first person after the straddle. Under the gun player has already posted a straddle at five euros. On my left, I have George Sandford. George is very comfortable playing this this stake and he, he, he regularly plays it, well, he makes his living playing pot limits Omaha I think 5-5 five, five and 10-10 ten, ten online uh, he's a great player a lovely guy and I was really enjoying sitting next to him drinking some cocktails and just having a good time and I'd started with just over 400 euros in this game and I was now sitting on over a thousand but George He'd bought in deep and he'd topped up a few times because he was running bad and he was pretty stuck. So he had me covered by some way. And he'd been potting frequently. Now he's a loose, aggressive player, but he's not stupid. I know that he knows what he's doing. And I know that he knows he's got a good idea what I, I know what I'm doing as well. That That's relevant to the story of the hand later on. So... I called with ace two three and two other random cards. I just called. I might normally raise this hand, but I wanted to control the pot at this stage with George behind me. So I called the five euro straddle, and sure enough, George raised pot. They rounded up to twenty five euros. Uh, one other player called, and I called, and then the dealer gave me an ace. So I've got. I've thrown away the other two cards. I've kept the ace, two, three, turning over the two. And I've given another ace. And George, he'd turned over a four. He's given a six. The other player in the hand, I really wish I could remember what cards they had. Because I've got a feeling that had a, um, that had a small element of... Um, yeah, added a bit more to, to why I folded the hand in, in the next... In this very betting round. So, um, George, there must have been 
two other players that called because George bet pot and it was 100 euros. There must have been four of us that got to that stage. So I can't remember the other cards that I'd seen, but I think they were relevant to my decision. So George has 6-4 showing. I have ace, two showing, and an, and a, an ace and a three underneath. Okay, if we're playing four cards stood, it's likely I'm winning. <laughs> but we're not. We're going to have to go to 7th Street if I continue in the hand. It's now €100 Euro to call the bet. I've got about €1,000 left in my stack. The next bet's going to be €300 Euros if I call and continue. Um, when I'm making a decision like this, I've got to. De- I, I feel like it's a good idea to decide... Are we have do we have good implied odds or is it is it a case of reverse implied odds? In other words, the next bet or a later bet is that going to make us a lot of money or lose us a lot of money? And I just felt that um, George is actually ahead equity wise, I believe, but he's also ahead playability wise. If you think about his range of hands when he's turned over a four, the two cards he has underneath. I believe he's not got a six underneath. He's either got two more fours, giving him rolled up fours, or he has two cards that will give him at worst a six low draw, but most likely a low straight draw. So either he's got two, three, four, two, four, five, three, four, five with his six. I don't think he's, even with with his loose aggressive image, I don't think he's, Put a, a six seven underneath, and he's and I, if if if, I, if he had a hand like that, I'd be way ahead of him. So I made it when he made this bet. I thought about it a bit and made a tight decision to fold. And it, it's um, it's because I believe that on the next straight, if I'm ahead, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be uh, locking anything up at that stage, even if I pick up another ace and he picks up a nine or something like that. That that would be the ideal, the, the best situation for me, I think. I'll be sitting there with trips, but he'll be still sitting there with a low draw and a straight draw. If he picks up any low card and, he, and I pick up an ace, he could easily already be free rolling me with a straight. And he's going to know how to play this situation. He's going to know how to put the pressure on me when... First of all, he's going to know how to recognise when the hand's going badly for me. And he's also going to know uh, the strength of his own hand. And I think he's going to have a good idea of the strength of my hand. And he's going to know when he can put the pressure on, either for value or to make, or to try to get me out of the hand. I, I don't have the confidence that I can do that to George. Um, so I made a tight fold there. And, and in, in this game, I believe that that's something that saves stacks and wins stacks is knowing when you can forecast the implied odds. Remember, this is a pot limit game with five streets of the pot limit betting. If you're playing really deep, you've really got to think ahead like that. Now, if we didn't play a fixed limit, or if we were only, say, 100 big blinds deep, I would have been re-raising. I would have been ready to get it in and just run it out, see, see how the equity goes. But it was the fact that I might be investing money now and having to get, give it up later on, or 
make bad decisions and call off the rest of my stack um, when I'm in bad shape. I actually do have, uh, in a smaller game, I do have experience of overplaying a hand very similar to this. And actually on fifth street with three aces in my hand and a two and a three on the board, and I'm looking at somebody with a nine, a six and a five showing, I lost my stack to somebody with a straight. You know, I've got I've got a, a draw to a full house, but I didn't hit it. And I, I think um that also played in my in, in my mind in this in this decision here that I need to be um that I can be making a really bad decision at some later stage for over a thousand euros for over 500 big blinds easier just to get out now it's cost me 25 euros to get this far um move on to the next hand yeah better so spots. It, a lot of it yeah is uh you know, know knowing your opponent right i mean that, that came into play um significantly in this hand particularly whereas it's true yeah I don't know about george is the, george is going to read my situation really clearly I might even read his situation really clearly, but that might not help me because he's the one that can put the pressure on um, if he's free rolling or if he even looks like he's free rolling, but he's actually caught a pair that isn't very strong. But what am I going to do if I see he's got four, five, six showing? I don't know he's got a five underneath. As it happened, he actually had, I think he had four, three, two. So the six did give him a gut shot. And I've thought a lot about this hand since then. And I'm, I'm happy I mean, with the decision it, I made. Yeah, it's not only you knowing him, it's you knowing that he knows you, right? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of sort of play there. <laughs> yeah, it really is, yeah. There are, actually, there are dozens of players I've played this game against that I wouldn't have folded against in that situation because... I believe I can make them make a mistake on later streets. That's where the implied odds come in. The yeah, reverse yeah. Impl implied odds come in because I know that I can make a mistake on later streets against George, and that can cause me a, a huge amount of my stack. Or all part of, of why, I, yeah, part of why I think you and I enjoy you know the mixed games, and I know you know you sort yeah. of. Um, Whenever there's comments on on social media, you say, "Hey, what about mixed games? You know, solvers yeah, and exactly. GTO talk." And because oh, these yeah. games, it's it's as much about the player as it is the cards, if not more, in certain situations. And and that's what oh, makes it exciting. Definitely, definitely. Oh yeah, I, I think we're a long way from seeing a a solver for super stud high low pot limit. <laughs> yes, so yeah. you know, you have to play play poker properly. You have to you have to try to read your opponent's range and you have to try to be deceptive about your own hand range and um, yeah the card you turn over is actually like that goes back to that point you turn over a card where you try to be deceptive about your own hand range but also try to make the lead betting lead elsewhere in the uh, on the table not with yourself yeah, that adds that really adds the the flipping of a card adds a, another entire element to the game. You know, it, uh, I was kind of wondering how is this going to be different? You know, from episode seven. It, I mean, some just a simple rule like that, and and obviously the pot limit part of it as well plays into it. But 
just changing one piece of, you know, one rule like that can really change a game, how you're going to play any given hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's really additional, additional yeah. information, but how, you know, do you know how to use that information? Do you know how that player is going <clears> to, <throat> like you said in the beginning, you know, <clears throat> if he happened to have an, an ace under there, you know, he wouldn't turn that over necessarily. Um, no, but, exactly, but other yeah, players who yeah. might not know, you know, so, so you kind of knew, you know, what he has underneath in this, in this situation. Yeah. I, I had a good idea of his range and I felt like the six helped him a lot more, even though I, I now had a lovely pair of aces, the six helped him a lot more than the ace helped me. I wanted to pick up a four or a five, to be honest. Um, that would have been more, more of a hand to play than, than a pair of aces in this spot. George might listen to this now and push me around every time he plays against me. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah. He's going to have a, yeah, well, that's all right, you know. (laughs) Again, that's what, right, he's getting, gaining more information, which which is good. And that's why we, we, we put this information out. So uh, we bring more players in so they, they can have an edge and uh, at least feel they have an edge. Yeah, at least, um, at least have some idea what's going on around them. Yeah, or, or just simply knowing how to play the game, which is the first. Yeah, that's, that's the start, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. But good. Yeah, well, thanks. That, that was a very interesting scenario you presented. And I, I think that's quite helpful. Um, so people understand. I, I like the other um, piece of information, the advice you also gave. And that's just, you know, you, you know, you're not only going to have to pay the $300 on this bet, but you're going to have to continue paying bets on other streets. And, and yeah. so do you want to, sort of commit to moving forward and basically playing for your stack with the hand that you had against this opponent that you know and know you know knows you quite well. Yeah, it's funny. We haven't played against each other a lot in, in terms of number of times, but when we have played against each other, we've sat there for probably well, several hours, several hours. So uh, we know each other just through that. Probably three or four times we played together, and we, we we played a lot of hands together. Mm. Excellent. All right. Was that? Did you uh, any other uh, strategy tips, or are we ready any to move on to some tips? Oh, uh, you know, you know. Again, we talked about high low games before. This thing about don't play middle cards. Now, yes. if 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 you play middle cards in this game, wow. <laughs> I mean, I touched on it. Recent in, in the about the uh, when I talked about this this other hand I played that's similar to the one I've just described where somebody had a nine high straight. I think he made a huge mistake playing that hand and got supremely lucky by fifth street, and that's how he got my stack. But this is don't play middle cards on steroids. It really is. You're going to get roasted. You're going to run, run up against. There are always. One or two players with three wheel cards in their hand. There are more often than you think there are people with rolled up hands. Um, yeah, if if you play the ten nine seven or the nine six four, you are <laughs> you are really making a huge mistake. Um, you really need to make sure that the three cards you play are well connected to each other. The, the best hands are sort of three wheel cards that are suited. And then you turn over the, your cards and you look at everybody else's hand 
look at everybody else's up card and hope that your suit isn't represented there. You know, you you turn over a diamond and you see your black cards face up, you're happy. Um, another thing you can do is play a high pair, but keep, let's say you dealt queen, queen, king, ten, three. You throw away the king and the ten, keep the queens dark and turn the three over. When you hit a queen, it doesn't look like it's helped you. When you hit a low card, you might be able to push somebody off a superior hand. Or rather, you might be able to push somebody off good equity. Um, yeah, you see that, so, yeah. things like that. It, I, I see scenarios like that in Raz uh, frequently where the board, mm -hmm. people basically play their board versus um, other players who are in the hand against their board. And they'll just basically play board against board, um, certain yeah. players. Um, and, and it can be, it can be, you know, you got to make some decisions for sure. But, but yeah, I've seen that true. happen, uh, frequently in Raz, just kind of my board's better than yours. So I'm going to bet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's another thing where you're playing as the player because, uh, yes. When you see somebody who's doing that all the time, you loosen your own ranges up for calling them down. And do they then realize that and readjust? <laughs> there's always that different levels at play or, or there should be different levels at play um yeah i think raz is a superb game but anyway that's that was that was covered on another episode we're talking about superstud but we meet superstud now yep good all right we ready to move on to some mixed game news yes yes okay all right let me uh go over something in the u.s here um, so this piece isn't solely related to, to mixed games, but it can have an effect on poker players in any discipline, just poker players in general. Um, but there's been, uh, over the past year or so, there's been some online cheating and also in the live arena, um, that's been brought out in, uh, into the mainstream of poker. So there was talk back then about, uh, sort of a potential blacklisting of poker players, and I discussed a little bit in episode 19, the drama ha episode, I discussed my view on sort of poker name aliases online, um, which plays a little into this. And then in episode 17, which was Raz Doogie, I talked there about two players, um, Ali Imshirovich and Jake Schindler, who uh, were banned actually from live poker events. So that's just some, some background for this piece of news, uh, more recent news. Um, so there's a piece of legislation um, AB 380 that was brought forth in the in the Las Vegas, Nevada, in the Nevada Assembly, which would provide for the establishment of a list of persons whose interactive gaming accounts online have been suspended or banned for cheating. So basically, if, if they've been suspended or banned for online cheating, uh, their name would go into a black book similar to, I don't know, sounds similar to me, to the blacklist that casinos already populate with respect to live gaming. So the bill basically would provide transparency and give those who have been cheated, or at least those who have thought they've been cheated, a, a sort of a way uh, to recoup lost money because right now there's no way a poker player may actually have been cheated and there's just there's no way no process or procedure or way to really go about recouping um, that money so that's kind of what this bill um, was brought forth 
to do. And very interestingly enough, it was just uh, recently discussed uh, in the assembly. And the interesting fact is that Caesars, um, which is the World Series of Poker Online brand in Nevada, testified to protest their opposition. In essence, they were saying that this could lead to expansive and burdensome litigation. And I don't know, to me, that's just big corp, what big corporations do anyway. They, big court, large corporations, including casinos, basically they use, they use this to keep individuals from suing them, right? You're like, well, I was wronged, but it's going to be costly for me to bring a lawsuit. The, the casino is going to drag it out. So basically the casino, could, you know, large corporations drag out lawsuits or they offer some measly settlement to avoid these large costs uh, that can be associated with lawsuits. Um, but it was interesting that uh, the Caesars World Series of Poker brand came out against this. And if you've followed Twitter since this cheating has happened, um, has been brought to light uh, months ago, it, it appears the poker community is very interested in um, some sort of a blacklist. So um, it was interesting that, you know, the, the World Series of Poker online brand um, is sort of testifying against it, even though it seems like some, it might be something that poker players are quite interested in. So I don't know, Martin, what do you have any thoughts on this AB 380 that would provide transparency for online poker players, as well as providing them with an avenue to recoup some uh, money if they've uh, found to have, you know, uh, been cheated by another player? Yeah, well, I think um, it's a wonderful thing that the, it's the Nevada, um, Nevada House, Judiciary Committee or something. It's a wonderful thing that they're trying to do something to clamp down on cheaters and, and provide a deterrent. It, it'd, be, it'd be a wonderful thing if we can see cheaters, people use solvers in real time or, or whatever, multi-account multi -account runners. If we can see them banned and publicly shamed in that way and blacklisted and the unable to play live as well as online, that'd be a wonderful thing. Uh, I do see that it's it's a. I, I do understand where Caesar's are coming from. I don't think that I don't like that they can convert it from that point of view. I, I would prefer them to, to see this, see it as a positive measure that protects their customers, and I'd like that to see them working with. The, the legislature to implement ways of to make this work rather than try to just stamp their feet and say, this is not going to work. We don't like it. We're going to be too vulnerable. It's going to be too expensive for us to do this. Um, so I hope something does come out of it. Um, I, I don't know how costly it'd be, but maybe the, there should be some way that if somebody's going to be put onto a backlist, a blacklist, they first of all have an appeal procedure they could go through. I don't know how, how expensive that would be to implement, but uh, having gone through an appeal procedure, then maybe there's no route later for them to legislate against somebody who denies them access to what they see as their source of income, I guess, if they're a professional poker player. Um, what, what do you think, Sean? Yeah, yeah, I, I I like what you said there, sort of a balance of, of things. And I know in uh you know, in response to uh 
Caesars uh, WSOP opposition. I know the the bill proponent. Uh, I'm not going to get her entire name right, but it's Sarah. She has two last names, um, and she actually has amended the yeah. bill already to hopefully, um, you know, to to. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so, so I hope she can appease, yeah, appease their uh, their opposition and you yeah. know put something in the bill. It, it's good to have different insight and and fix something. Yeah, and I know. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I know Mike Matisau did a podcast. It's supposed to be episode one hundred and seven where he interviewed her. Um, but I, uh, I can't. I subscribe to it, but I can't seem to. It's not downloading, so I can't seem to find okay. it. Um, but I would be interested in listening to it. Um. Yeah, just to add one other aspect to it, the, the, the introduction of an appeal procedure would also protect players from wrongly being accused and wrongly having having the, the ban bans placed against their names. You know, it could be that just one one day you play the tournament perfectly all the way through, and then it looks like you've been using real time assistance because you made all the right decisions bet sizing wise. It could happen one day, you know. Um, yeah, or or in the on the other hand, right? Going back to Robbie Jade Lou with the Jack forehand, it looks like you're doing something completely that no one would ever do. You know, yeah, yeah. again, which yeah, both sides, right. but I, way, yeah. yeah, it could, it could go yeah. could go either way. But yeah, of course, I would I would hope there's some sort of appeals if it goes through the court system. That would be, I guess, sort of automatic. Um, but who knows? Yeah, would you don't want people being accused of cheating who aren't just because maybe a pro player is losing a lot of money and they just want somebody sort of out of the game, so to speak. So yeah, you would hope there's some fairness um th yeah, throughout yeah. the process for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Thanks. Yeah. So uh what do you have for us uh for mixed game news uh from Europe? A couple of things. First thing I'll mention is that Poker Stars and this I guess this is wider than Europe, but Poker Stars have released the dates for Scoop 2023. Um, they will be running from the 7th of May to the 31st of May. I'm sure there'll be a good number of mixed games events in there, but the schedule isn't out yet. So probably more news of that in the next podcast, I guess, or at least some time to come. And then the other thing, um, there's a possibility that we might be able to arrange some kind of a mixed games cash game festival in Bulgaria. Uh, talks are very, very much at an early stage at the moment, but it looks like there will be partly mixed games of 2-2, 5-5 and possibly 10-10 blinds. Now, what we're looking at is trying to schedule a, a structure a mixed games offering where players can also pick fixed limit games you know, so what one player will pick a pick a pick a game. They'll play six hands of that game, and the player in the next seat will choose the next game and play six hands of that game. So the first player might pick lot pick pot limit super stud. The second player might think, "Well, I like this game, but I prefer to play fixed limit, so I'll play. I'll just choose stud high low, so we'll play fixed limit." Now, I don't know what ratio the, should be uh, in terms of the big blind in a pot limit game compared to the uh, small bet or big blind in a fixed limit game. Um, recently in Malta, we've been playing some 1-1 one -one pot limit games, which are mixed with 5-10. So the 
small bet is five euros. Feels a bit big. The the fixed limit size it feels a bit big. Uh, it feels like a better ratio would be would be four eight, but I don't. That's not a scientifically arrived at conclusion. That's just my opinion. Um, but five ten, we've been playing that to make it easier for the players and the dealers and handling chips and everything. Um, but we, I think we need to give it some more thought when we're looking at two different sizes of games. One is two two pot limit. So what should the fixed limit? Site le- levels be in, in, in that game, and then once five five, and what should be the fixed limit blind sizes and bet sizes be in that game? Um, do you have any thoughts, Sean, or any experience of how, how that should be split up? Yeah, I don't have a lot or any really <laughs> um, <laughs> experience with what should be done in those situations. I guess what, um, what's the purpose of uh. Is it? Are you looking for action, or are you looking for people to not um, get their stacks in, or do you want people to get their stacks in, or are you trying to limit people's losses? Is there, uh, I guess, a purpose um, to to how well, you want to structure the game because that might play into it. You've actually anticipated my next question. Now, in the pot limit games, and I just described that super stud hand I played with George Sanford. It's very easy to get a large amount of chips in. Uh, a large amount of big blinds in, especially if there are straddles on. Um, and going back to that game we've been playing recently in Malta, where we've been playing 1-1 pot limit and 5-10 fixed limit bets, we've been capping the betting there at 150 big blinds in the pot limit games. So um, the purpose being, if you lose the maximum in the pot limit hand and then immediately the game changes to a fixed limit game. You don't feel like you're completely um, looking for a needle in the haystack and trying to get your stack back. Because if you if you play 1-1 one, one and, and you get deep and you lose a, I don't know, one and a half K pot, not unreasonable to expect that can happen without a cap. And then suddenly, suddenly it becomes a 5-10 fixed limit game. You're going to think, I've lost all that money, how am I going to get it back? Um, so if we li- limit it to the amount you can lose being 150 euros in one hand, then if the game changes to fixed limit, you can make nearly all that back in in one hand of a game, depending on how loose the players are and uh, and uh, how much of a cooler or a bad beat situation you face. So it feels like uh, the combination of the three factors, the 1-1 one, one blind versus 5-10 uh, fixed limit betting sizes, the uh, well, two factors, I guess, there's, there's that, and then there's the imposition of a cap on the amount that each player can invest in a hand. It feels like together they make it a reasonable game, make it a good game in that... Uh, Right, so you asked about the purpose. It's not necessarily about not being able to get your whole stack in, it, but it is more about um, feeling like you can win the money back that you've lost. Right, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like what you're describing, basically what you said there, and that's yeah. you don't mind people losing stacks, but you want them to have the ability to win them back. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I guess you have to make the fixed limit 
a little bigger, but then are you keeping people out of the game that you might want to bring into the game? Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough balance between the fixed limit yeah. and then you're going to have to implement a cap. I think, I mean, $2,500 in a two, two pot limit game is that's, that's pretty large, Mark. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's not the first time I've seen that happen as well. <laughs> yeah. I think I mentioned recently when we talked about watermelon, I lost a 2.3 yes. pot in a 2-2 game. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was three-handed. That was three-handed. Yeah. I think I, I okay, invested right. about 750 euros in that pot. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen. So we, I play in a two-two pot limit game locally um, in the local casino nearby uh, once in a while, and I see times. I mean, six, seven hundred dollars. I, I don't. I'm not sure I've seen any over. I mean, there, I'm sure it happens, but it's definitely not regular. Um, it, it's usually probably between three and and six or seven hundred at kind of the the high end. You know, sort of on a regular basis. Um, uh, I think so. Yeah, when you said two point five k, I was like, wow. Some people, there was some hands, but I mean, it's going to happen if 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 two or three people have very good hands, uh, it's gonna it's gonna get in. Oh yeah, and and it also gets to that stage where somebody's invested so much in the hand, they don't have a lot of equity that they can't, but they do see that they they have outs, and it's going right. to be another another what five hundred to win two point five k. Okay, I'm yeah. gonna call. <laughs> and that is that, yeah, that brings something up i did want to ask about the super stud do you see i know we're going backwards a little bit here but um since you reminded me do you see people in super stud putting pot limit pot bets in on um on draws because i know that happens obviously right a lot in pot limit omaha people pot um uh, on draws because they even if somebody has a made hand they probably have more equity um if they hit their draw so i don't, I don't know if you see that in super stud um or not oh you certainly do yeah you you, you do okay. um i mean particularly imagine if you're sitting there with you you turned over the three of diamonds you know then you give them the four or five of diamonds when you make the next bet, somebody's looking at you that they're, they're thinking there's a good chance that's a four cards to a steel wheel. Um, th 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 that's something that you you definitely see. Even 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 somebody with uh, something like five four three two on Fourth Street actually played a home game last week. I remember re-raising somebody with that bloody hand myself. <laughs> so yes, you do. In answer to your question, okay. yes, you do. Thanks. Yeah, I didn't want to go back to that, but that that did remind <laughs> me. I think I don't know. After this conversation, I'm trying to I'm trying to formulate some some assistance for you here. I think I do like the five ten euro bets um, for one for ease of handling chips, and I've I've sat in some five ten limit games, um, and those pots can actually get sizable. Um, I've seen oh, some pretty sure. big pots in five ten limit, and I think that would you know match a little better with maybe a two two pot limit. Um, cause I've, I've also sat in four, eight games and for some reason, the four, eight games don't play so big at times, but I've seen five, 10 games play like they're 10, 20 or 20, 40 at times. Yeah, so yeah. there's something about those red, I don't know, here, you know, the red chips, the $5 chips that people just love tossing them in. I, I'm not sure. I don't know either. I think, um, I mean, this is different, I think, to your experience because the games we play, um, we often find people have a, a high 
VPIP on the early streets, this in the fixed limit games really does build the pots up. You know, um, I mean, even pot limit super stood. It's not beyond the stretch of imagination that you see um, five players in a three-bet pot go to Fourth Street. Three players have got three wheel cards. One's got a pair of aces and a, another card, and, and and somebody else has got three tens. It's just really not unusual to see that sort of action. Um, I mean, pot limit super studs. One of the games. Some of the other games, even the VPIPs are even higher. And when you're playing fixed limit, um, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I've only got to call one more bet and there's seven bets in the pot, yeah, I'll call. I've got some I've got some hand I can make. Um yeah, the the, the fixed limit games if if you if you look back at those games we played in Malta with the one one pot limit games capped at 150 big blinds per player. They tend to end up heads up, so you're looking at a 300 euro pot. So quite often the 510 fixed limit games, those hands end up with 300 euros or thereabouts in the pot by the time you get to showdown. Um, so yeah, I, I actually think that that level, as I said previously, I think 4-8 feels like a more reasonable fixed limit blind level, when uh, not betting level when you're playing one one pot limit, but five ten is the one we settled on. I actually feel like that really works well with the 150 euro cap. But when we're looking at two two and five five, we really give it some thought. I'd initially thought that six twelve might be a good level for two two. But that was when I was thinking that four eight was a good level for one one. We might need to go to, go to eight sixteen for two two or something. With with the five five, we might do ten twenty. I don't know. I really don't know. We need to, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you're that. coming to yeah, you're, you're you're coming to some understanding. Yeah, I think yeah, especially if you feel the four eight um, fixed limit is good for the one one pot limit. You almost you know not that you can draw a linear line, but I think you kind of have to go uh, from mm -hmm. there upward and see see what it looks like. So. And I guess if you're not comfortable, don't sit in the game, right? Uh, you know, there's go down to the great <laughs> one, yeah. one, right? You know, and you might increase. Yeah. I don't know if you have a maximum buy-in for these games, or I guess it's fixed in pot. But since the pot can get big, I didn't know if you had a, a maximum um, buy-in. for Well, for those actually, in, in Bulgaria, I don't know what they do, but in, in Porto Masso Casino in Malta, there's a minimum buy-in, but not a maximum. And sometimes you see people in pot limit Omaha games, they'll sit down in a two-two game with four thousand euros in front of them. It's, which is a bit crazy, but um, if you put a cap on what, what people uh, didn't invest in any one hand, it's irrelevant as long as you just cover the cap. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, what was not sure how much help I was. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Yeah. We'll move on. I was, there's something else. I can't remember what I was going to say. There's something else I was going to bring up about that. Well, if you think of it, bring it up later because uh, I yeah. had to go back for the super stud, and so you know, <laughs> yeah. Okay, we, we we can zigzag, yeah. <laughs> okay, back all right, forth. sounds good. All right, I'll go over. Let's go into some mixed game events uh, coming up here in the U.S. So we have the Aria Poker Classic to be held at the Aria Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada, from May thirty first to July fifteenth, almost coinciding with the World Series of Poker, which runs from May 30th to July 18th. 
So the the kind of you know the World Series goes on in in uh, Las Vegas, but a lot of the other casinos also put on some stuff. Of course, the World Series of Poker has more mixed games available than pretty much any other tournament anywhere. Um, but if you prefer smaller crowds and smaller buy-ins, um, the Aria Poker Classic is uh, a place to be. There's a horse tournament with a two hundred forty dollar uh, U.S. buy-in. And most of the non-hold'em tournaments are between uh, $400 and $800 buy-ins um, with a couple of sort of championship $1,600 buy-ins thrown in, but certainly smaller than the uh, the mixed games uh, tournaments at the World Series, which uh, start at $1,500 and go up to ten dollars So like I said, if you're smaller crowds and smaller buy-ins, uh, the Aria Poker Classic running uh, pretty much simultaneously with the World Series of Poker. And then the other big thing sort of on the East Coast here, um, or really anywhere that I'm aware of, some mixed games, mixed cash games run regularly at Borgata in Atlantic City on the weekends mostly. There's uh, some seven-card stud and some uh, big mixed games, usually like 200, 400 or something. And then there's also uh, seven-card stud games with low to mid-stakes and a higher $750 to $150 game that run at Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut. And that one at Foxwoods actually runs throughout the week, whereas the games in uh, at Borgata in Atlantic City are usually, uh, they usually run the weekends, uh, sometimes Friday night, but usually Saturday uh, into Sunday. So that's pretty much uh, what I have in the U.S. for mixed game events coming up. Uh, what do you have uh, for us across the pond, Martin? Okay, um, I actually have six different festivals to talk about, so I'll, I'll try to be very brief with each one. First of all, the Malta Poker Festival, it starts very soon, 24th of April to the 1st of May, and that's the festival at which I'll be hosting the horse event on the Tuesday, the, 5th, the 25th of April, which is a fifth, typical horse five-game mix. Um, 230 euros buying, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, following that, there's the festival series, also in Malta, which starts on the 14th of May and runs to the 21st of May. There's a number of mixed games events, including Sweet and Special, um, Eight Game, Horse, Pineapple Open Face Chinese, and some PLO, and there's a mixed PLO and PLO 8. There's a four, five, and six card PLO. Uh, so that's there's going to be some crazy mixed games, cash game on the side as well. Um, and actually overlapping with that in the UK, the APAT Amateur Poker Association Tour Championship uh, Festival um, at Dust Till Dawn in Nottingham has been recently announced. And that includes PLO, Triple Stud, Horse, um, No Limit and Hold'em, and PLO, Round of Each. All at very affordable buy-ins. They, they, they start at uh, £60 and go up to, I mean, the main event is 340 but that's a Hold'em tournament. The mixed games, the highest buy-in is £120. Um, and then... The Battle of Malta schedule has been announced recently. There are always some PLO events on the Battle of Malta schedule. And the Battle of Malta runs from 
the 20, sorry, the 31st of May, no, sorry, yes, the 31st of May to the 4th, to the 6th of June, sorry, and that includes now for the first time a horse tournament, and that will be on Friday, the 2nd of June. After that, in Bratislava, there is the Poker SM, which is Swedish Masters. Um, the structure I'm looking at, or the schedule rather I'm looking at, is in Swedish. But I can see that and this one's from the 16th of August to the 21st of August. And the Svitten Special, there's a game called Chicago, which I don't know the rules of. Um, there's Horse. Um, and there's a couple of other things. They could be Holden variants, or they could be another variant. But like I say, it's, it's in Swedish. But it looks like one's called something like Mook Poker and one's called Lag Poker. So I'll try to find out what they're all about by the next by the next podcast, and I'll speak to one of my Swedish friends about that. I think. But that looks quite a good uh, festival for mixed games players as well. And finally, third to the tenth of September, there is the. Um, I mentioned this on the last podcast in the news section, but the dates have now been confirmed and so has the schedule. The ETOP Cruise. This is an Italian company, ETOP, something about European Tour of Poker or something uh, it stands for. It's, uh, it's it's called a PLO festival, but as well as Omaha, there's Spitten, High Low, Horse, Five Card Omaha. Uh, when I say High Low, there's one... Stud high-low tournament and one Omaha high-low tournament. So the buy-ins for the tournaments range from 100 pounds, sorry, 100 euros up to 300 euros. So uh, that's that, that's that looks like a nice thing to do. They're, they're going to cruise around various parts of the Greek islands and Mallorca as well. And also, so Greece, Spain and Italy, by the way. Oh, oh France, Marseille as well. Okay, Greece, Spain, France and Italy covered by that cruise as well as a number of different poker variants in the tournaments. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so was that, that all that, six? That's all six, yeah. <laughs> Actually, okay. I meant to mention the news as well. We're still working on, on a summer festival in Malta for a weekend mixed games festival. So uh, we don't have the details for that yet, but that's hopefully the details will come out fairly soon. I think good. we're going to something find for, out uh, after the Malta good. Poker yeah. Festival. So, yeah. Something for us all to look forward to, the Malta Poker Festival. Good. Yeah. All right. And and if any of our listeners know of any upcoming non-Hold'em tournament events or cash games um, anywhere in the world that we don't mention, uh, leave a comment or get a hold of uh, myself or Martin so we can let our listeners know. Yeah, right, on, uh, the, on the U.S. side. Sorry, Sean. On the U.S. side. Yeah. There's probably going to be more in Vegas, I think, along, during the World Series of Poker uh, timetable. Time because last year when I was there, there were there were certainly schedules at Golden Nugget, uh, Orleans, MGM Grand, Wynn, and South Point that all included a good number of mixed games events. So, um, yeah, I mean... Look out! Yeah, there are a lot. Yeah, I'll try to uh, I'll try to get them all together and uh, mention them on uh, on the next episode since we still have a little bit of time till the series. But you're right. Yeah, as I mentioned, the Ari is going on at the same time, and uh, yeah, there's a a number of other casinos that also try to hold um, 
some events. So it's great. Yeah. Let's uh let's talk about it. I'm going a little long here. Let's get on to our uh, recent mixed gameplay. <clears throat> so I finally had a chance to fit in some mixed gameplay, Martin, believe it or not. <laughs> We're you know a quarter well, of the I way through it. the year. <laughs> Yeah. So was it I worth played, waiting for? <laughs> yes, yes, finally. Some excitement here <laughs> with, with my mixed gameplay. So you mentioned uh the scoop. <clears throat> so we did have the poker stars scoop here um in the US. I entered a deuce to seven triple draw tournament with a uh thirty dollar buy-in. And uh I did talk about deuce to seven triple draw in episode 10 of this podcast. So $30 buy-in, deuce to seven, triple draw, scoop tournament on Poker Stars, And with just two tables of four players each, I found myself sitting in first place with eight players remaining. So I was excited. I think I got a little too excited, but uh, making <laughs> it so I made it over to the final table after about four and a half hours of play. So keep in mind, this is a six max um, table, so... We went from eight players. I was in first place down to six. And I sat at that table, the final table with six players. Unfortunately, I got into um, two big stud hands and sacrificed uh, a lot of chips. Ended up finishing in fifth place out of 86. Um, but it was a nice cash. And uh, I was very pleased. And uh, this is where experience comes in. You get to a final table, you get jittery. But I actually had two big stud hands. Um, but I, I just got beat. And that's just kind of how it goes. So. Went from mm -hmm. first place with eight players left to fifth place final, but uh, I was very pleased. Well done, well done. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was it was actually quite exciting. Um, uh, I also played a hundred dollar horse uh, buy in, but I didn't fare so well in that one. Uh, mm -hmm. Placed about fortieth uh, out of uh, about seventy eight players, so mm -hmm. no cash there, but. Uh, I figure I better start getting some play in here before I head out to Las Vegas. Mm. All right, let's, uh, what do you have for us on your, uh, you, you've had a lot of success uh, so far this year, Martin. Uh, what do you have for us uh, th this episode? Oh, well, um, yeah, I'm really flying this year. It's, it's going really well. I mean, I, since I started the blog that I started alongside this um this podcast, alongside getting involved in this podcast, um, I kind of set myself the goal to win events in as many different uh, variants of poker as I possibly can. And that's gone crazily well. And, and I'll mention my uh, blog later on when we talk about our contact information. But on there, you can read about my latest win, which was a I mean, these are all been small buy-ins, but it was a RAS tournament. Um, and, and I think in every different discipline that PokerStars has to offer and Party Poker has to offer, apart from I've realised, I don't think I've won a No Limit Omaha High Low tournament yet, but in every different, different discipline, apart from No Limit Hold'em, I've won at least one tournament. So, you know, horse, um, all the stud variants, Raz, I think, was the last was the last one. Actually, no, no limit home how high low. When I managed to win one of those, that'll be the last one. But recently, I've won the Raz tournament, and I won a no limit Deuce to seven single draw tournament. So, I've 
I mean, it's like I set myself an objective and I've achieved it already, but I'm, I'm going to continue to try to win as many different variants multiple times now and also to try to move up in the buy-ins a little bit. And I'm looking forward to Scoop as well because maybe they'll put some other variants on that they don't put on day-to-day anymore, like Courchevel and 8-game. And uh, maybe I can uh, try to get somewhere in those. Also, I've not won any live tournaments yet this year, so I've not played many either, but... I'll try to get some of those in. Um, but so, yeah, so online's going well. I, I played, a, like I said, a home game last week. Um, we played some superb variants uh, from some of the games we've, play, we've, we've talked about on here, like Best Best and Pot Limit Super Stud, um, Stud Maha, um, to some other games that we haven't touched on here. Oh, we played Bajusi as well. Um, Badugi as well. So these are they've been spoken about by you in, in the in the broadcast last year. Um, but I, I made a nice profit again in that that game. Uh, although it starts off really badly, I was down quite soon, quite quickly. I was down over hundred euros, but I ended up with a profit of over four hundred. So that was a nice night. Yeah, we can find. <clears throat> You you mentioned you know the the scoop where you'll hopefully be able to find some games they don't play uh, they don't offer but um, here between New Jersey and Pennsylvania um, which can't play against one another so I have to go back and forth between the states uh, depending <laughs> on what I'm looking to do online but regularly they offer um, mixed games you know uh, Badugi and uh, five card draw even uh, eight game it doesn't always sort of the the daily sort of tournaments are weekly um mixed games they don't always fill up um so they they'll just be canceled but they are they are available if they get uh it's a minimum of yeah. four players i believe to sit in those games and so they they are up there on a on a regular basis online oh yeah the Padugi is available in in, uh, in in the european sort of worldwide i guess uh, poker stars uh player pool option and I've won one of those I've certainly won one Badugi tournament this year so far um, but I, I don't think the, the two I mentioned were Kosheville and 8 game I don't think they're offered at the moment and, and actually you mentioned 5 card draw I don't think they're offered at the moment on a daily basis but there's yeah, a good chance I've never seen Kosheville offered, offered so that's a new one yeah in yeah. scoop or regularly so well, there used to be Kosheville tournaments every day I used to enjoy those Especially the high low. I think with, with Kosheville high, the spit card actually reduces the action quite a lot. But with high low, especially when the spit card's a low card, it encourages action, I find. So, uh, yeah. Uh, you, have you, you've talked about Kosheville in a pro- previous co- podcast, I think, have you? Yeah, let me see. Um, let me find which one it was. It was episode 14. Yep. Of course, yeah. 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 So I talked about it, but uh, it's not, you know, not really going to find a game in a casino or online in the States, as far as I know, uh, maybe in Las Vegas, but, uh, you know, home games play whatever you want. So that's where it really comes in. Oh, we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Excellent. We, we played some Spit and Special Juice as well. That was a fun one. <laughs> There's a game called Matrix as well. We need to talk about that, that game on one of these podcasts in the future. That's that's a real fun game. <laughs> yeah, well, 
looking forward to that and happy to hear about your continued success. And I am, I, I guess you had to do this. You had to put sort of a goal for you that, you know, really won't end, the, you know, until the end of the year, that's win as many as you can, rather than putting a number <laughs> on it where you're, you're done in, in April, March, April, you're like, you, you already met your goals. <laughs> you had to yeah. put an open-ended uh, goal. So, so that way it can continue on. <laughs> I have to say Raz was something I had on me. I own for a long time and, it just happens to be that I don't often play at a time where I can play a Raz tournament. Um, but I've played slightly different timings this last week and I've managed to get a couple of Raz tournaments in and I've took one down. So but it's, it's a great game, Raz. I really enjoy playing a Raz. Um, and like you say, you're playing the player. You look out for people that will uh, play their board against a weaker-looking board and do it every time, and then and then you you, you balance your you or you try to balance your own ranges so that you sometimes play your stronger board, and maybe you do it by identifying that some players are calling you down too light. You don't play hard against them, but you play hard against the others that are more likely to fold. It's a great game, Raz. It's a proper poker game. Yeah. I, I agree. I love Raz, but uh, it seems to be my my demise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 think, I think I've before. gotten better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Robbie Straczynski's uh, got some kind yes. of a, a love hate relationship that borders more on hate than <laughs> that, that, that touches more on hate than love. I think with yes. Raz. <laughs> yeah, those who know Robbie and the dealer's choice games that he offers, uh, you, you know, you call Raz against Robbie, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's going to give you a look for sure. That, that's but, how you yeah. troll Robbie. Yes. <laughs> to call Raz on him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do love the game. It hasn't loved me back, um, but I, I, it did in the World Series last year. One of my episodes right after I got back, I, I did, uh, I entered a horse tournament and I was down on chips and uh, the Raz round actually i uh i really made a killing but uh yeah mm. so so there's like you said uh that love hate relationship anyway we're getting back to raz and this was a super stud episode so uh, we'll move on <laughs> if you want to learn more about mixed games martin and i have each written a book head over to amazon for my book poker all the games a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games there you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games, as well as other chapters um, on sort of health and wellness um, and why that's important to poker. And most importantly, there's uh, chapters on why you should move over to mixed games from No Limit Hold'em. Martin, you've also written a book. Where can our listeners find your book? My book is also available on Amazon. It's called Pot Limits Vitten Special, a European version of Dromaha. It only talks about one poker variant, unlike yours, Sean, but it goes from the very basic, how it's played and, and how to deal the game and uh, the rules, but then it goes through all the starting hands, all the odds of, of how to, of, of what, of completing hands, and Sweet and Special Stroke Dromaha is a split pot game between five card draw and the Nomaha hand, so it goes through all the odds completing various Omaha hands as well as five-card draw hands. It talks about how to play the pre-flop, the flop, the draw, the turn, and the river streets, and also gives you a quiz uh, where you go through some of the hands that I 
played in the past and you can decide whether you should be folding, calling, raising, and if you're raising, by which amount. Also, even decisions about which cards to discard. Um, and then it's a section just discussing a few of the other variants of Smith and Special that I have that I have played. As I say, it's currently only available as an ebook, but I'm working on a paperback book which I will have out at some time this year. I'm not sure exactly when. You know, you're trying. It gets difficult. We understand, Martin. It gets difficult writing this book between all your wins uh, <laughs> and, and all these mixed variants. So we understand if it takes you a while. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, follow me on Twitter at p o k r all the games, and subscribe for free at pokerchannel.substack.com. And Martin, uh, tell our listeners where they can follow you. Okay, again on Twitter at Poker for Leisure, P O K E R, the number four, L E I S U R E. And also, again, subscribe for free to my blog on Poker for Leisure.substack.com. Um, Poker for Leisure, I guess, if you're in the US. Well, that's all for episode 28 Pot Limit Super Stud. Join us again in what will be three weeks, not our usual two, for episode 29, where we will discuss Dromaha Zero. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Mm-hmm.